Hi everybody, my name is Layla Medeiros. I'm the CMO at InfoStretch, and I'm pleased to welcome some of you back to DTV, the Digital Transformation Channel. And I'm excited today to bring you Shaheen Farishchi, who, um, his name actually means carpet seller in Persian, but he's chosen a different route as partner at Lux Capital, one of the hottest VC firms here in Silicon Valley. And Shaheen, welcome. Welcome to DTV. Great to be here, Leila. Um, so, uh, Shaheen, you are at the center of uh, all things digital. Um, you are um, working with companies in AI, uh, robotics, uh, space technology. And um, one of the things I uh, would, would love to better understand from you is how are you um, understanding what is actually legitimate um, and what is what is a disruptor as opposed to a follower in this space? Sure. Um, digital is also a word that is used um, across many different things. So uh, also, can you help us define what your perspective is on digital and what it means? Sure, sure. Okay. So there's certainly a lot of um, buzzword-driven ideas out there. There are people trying to use AI uh, for different things, and as a result of having AI in their headlines, uh, they hope to be able to hire people, raise money, uh, and hopefully find some kind of interesting business. Uh, the reality is that it should be the other way around. Right. Uh, we're really excited about founders who identify tools such as AI to go after really interesting business opportunities and build massive enterprise value uh, around those. So uh, digital is also a term that has been abused over the past few decades. Um, there are companies that are taking traditional content, mm -hmm. uh, doing traditional business, and putting some kind of digital spin mm -hmm. around them. And we as investors try to avoid those. Mm -hmm. We are very excited about companies that find unique uses of these kinds of technologies, digital included, to make very interesting businesses in areas that are either unexplored or areas that could be vastly improved by mm -hmm. leveraging these technologies. Mm -hmm. And digital, is, you know, um, AI, robotics, uh, they've been around for a while. It's not a novel concept. In fact, my dad worked for a company called Digital, uh, DEC for some of you who may recall. But, um, you know, what what is happening now that's bringing um, these technologies, machine learning, robotics back? Um, why is it why why is it hot now versus like five years ago or ten years ago? I think if you'd ask your father, digital robotics AI was always interesting, was always curiosity sparking. Right. Uh, I think that what makes it interesting today is because it's a lot more accessible. Mm -hmm. So back in the day, you would have had to be a ten-year PhD engineer uh, at one of these large technology companies uh, to be able to be exposed. Uh, to these kinds of tools. But now, uh, with an undergraduate degree, or even without an undergraduate degree, knowing how to code, being able to access the internet gives you exposure to all these great technologies related to AI, related to blockchain, related to computer vision, and there's a bunch of open source tools out there that are maintained by communities of many, many thousands of developers that, again, allow you to very quickly 
leverage and build something very interesting mm -hmm. without having to be part of a large organization or without having to have many millions of dollars of investment behind you, mm -hmm. as was the case for your father back mm -hmm. in those days, mm -hmm. which is why we hear a lot more uh, about these technologies. Very exciting, um, but also with innovation, as, as you probably know, comes risk. And a lot of what we've seen um, in you know, the areas, particularly robotics and AI, um, are a little scary. Uh, I just read a tweet uh, about um, you know, fake news and AI having something to do with that. So what have you seen and heard about things like that? So you're touching on two points, Layla. One is the threat that robotics and automation can bring. It's the right. threat of jobs being destroyed. Right. It's the threat of robots taking over the world, Terminator style. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll tackle both of those perhaps first before we start talking about fake news, which is sure. an entirely different topic. Great. So when you talk about robots versus jobs, from a first order, it's easy to assume that a machine can, on a one-for-one -one basis, take over a human's job. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the course of history, there have been many machines that have been introduced into society and if you look at the trend of technology adoption, it has been accompanied by greater employment. And it's those societies who are quicker to adopt new technology right. are the ones that benefit from less unemployment. And the inverse is also true, okay. where better societies who do not adopt innovation suffer from greater unemployment. So it's not my expectation that the yeah. proliferation of AI and robotics will suddenly change this trend and from a right. one on a one-for-one -one basis start eliminating our jobs. Right. Um, it's my expectation that these technologies are going to augment us, empower us, and help us be more efficient mm -hmm. so we can be better at our jobs mm -hmm. and be able to spend more, times, more time with our, our loved ones uh, and our families. Right. And so the expectation is that more automation, more robotics will make humans more efficient. We will produce more. Costs will go down. Mm -hmm. And again, if you look at history, whether it's TVs or refrigerators or semiconductors and electronics, as cost has gone down, right. demand has disproportionately gone up. Yeah. So there will be more jobs, more demand created as a result of technology superpowering uh, humans. And right. the question that remains is, well, what happens to those older jobs? It's right. my expectation that the onus is on our educational institutions to keep people trained yeah. so that they will be ready for that shift as their jobs become augmented with robots so they can be well prepared mm -hmm. for that new job that comes about as a result of automation. So if you you're think about looking a, at it as an augmentation opportunity so correct. the people can actually do something that's more suited for them as opposed to redundant. Correct. Of, uh, okay. Correct. Yeah. So we hear a lot about autonomous cars. Right. There was a rule that was passed uh, that expects autonomous vehicle companies who right. are doing testing to do so without human drivers. However, that requires humans to be remotely overseeing mm -hmm. these vehicles. So rather than a test pilot being behind the vehicle, behind the wheel, this test pilot now needs to be at a remote location. Now this test pilot needs to be trained to right. be able to use the computer as opposed to a steering wheel and a brake and a gas pedal to control these vehicles. And it's my expectation that as the cost of autonomous transport comes down, mm -hmm. there's going to be more demand, hence more demand for these remote operators. So on a net basis, there's going to be mm -hmm. more jobs that are better, as opposed to cooking in the sun in traffic, right. you're sitting in an air-conditioned room behind right. a controller controlling autonomous vehicles. Right. And so, going back to your earlier question, the yeah. fears, in my opinion, are legitimate fears. Yeah. However, it's my expectation that these fears can be addressed 
with the proper adoption of this technology and the proper re-education um, and training of workers. And we're seeing that today in, in healthcare. So all healthcare professionals need to undergo continuous training right. to uh, maintain their licenses. That should be the same for every professional. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, for non-healthcare professions like ours, the onus is on us to go out there and continuously train ourselves. Mm -hmm. I hope that educational institutions will take that responsibility upon themselves right. and keep everyone who they train and put into debt when they go out of the workforce to be continuously trained and ready for the new jobs that right. become available to them. And some of the highly regulated industries like um, financial or healthcare, um, we work with many of those companies at InfoStretch. Um, with a lot of this innovation um, you know, coming forth, are, do you see those regulations or anything changing to accommodate for a new generation of technology that's coming out to make? I think it it'll easier? have to change. I'm not yeah. seeing the regulations um, move as quickly as as I'd like. However, the new regulation that I just mentioned earlier about yeah. testing autonomous cars was a surprise to me. So it shows that regulators are aware right. of the trends in technology, and they are trying to get ahead of these trends. Right. Obviously, to benefit. Their constituents. Yeah. Um, we were early investors in uh, a company called Planet. Uh, when we met the company, uh, it was a group of very uh, bright-eyed entrepreneurs building satellites literally in their garage. They had graduated uh, with physics and math PhDs. They uh, had worked at NASA putting mobile phone components into small spacecraft, launching those and showing wow. that you can actually make a viable spacecraft using conventional mobile phone components, which probably wouldn't have been possible five years ago had it not been for the proliferation of smartphones and this right. technology becoming extremely reliable. Yeah. So their vision was to give away uh, images captured from space and open source their satellite designs. And the expectation was that non-governmental organizations would be able to track refugees, track endangered species, track deforestation. Mm -hmm. These organizations otherwise do not have access to mm -hmm. satellite imagery that governments and very large and powerful corporations otherwise have access to. And so with that, um, given the vision of the founders and their passion and this new opportunity, uh, we chose to back them shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. um, large Fortune 500 companies also became interested mm -hmm. in being able to capture uh, daily images wow. of every point of the surface of the earth. And so that has turned into a very interesting business. So if you look at the space um, landscape, yeah. um, there are four broad categories of space companies. You have wow. Earth observation companies like Planet, which are taking some kind of signal from space, whether it's pictures, whether it's uh, synthetic aperture radar, uh, whether it's GPSRO, which is used for weather measurements, picking up some kind of signal from space. Right. So that's one category. Uh, the second category is communications infrastructure. So mm -hmm. OneWeb has talked about that. Elon Musk is talking about mm -hmm. launching mm -hmm. communication satellites through SpaceX. Yeah. Facebook is talking about that. So, so providing some kind of communications infrastructure, whether it's from satellites to the ground or vice yeah. versa, or between satellites is another broad category of space technology companies. Um, the third is launch companies, mm -hmm. so companies that are providing low-cost launch uh, mm -hmm. to space. Um, and the fourth is companies that are doing some kind of analysis on the signals right. uh, that are being captured uh, from space. Interesting. Okay. And so 
I think they're all very interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's been only one exit to the point in you that, brought earlier that in that space, yeah. which was Skybox, which was mm -hmm. acquired by Google. Mm -hmm. It was later acquired by our company, Planet. Um, I am very optimistic. I expect there to be many more yeah. uh, interesting exits in that space, yeah. in that area, although I, I would caution many founders uh, before they go about raising uh, a lot of capital to offer some kind of business that is space-based. They should kind of take a step back and yeah. think about that business as to whether or not it's even an interesting business right. and take the veneer of space off for a moment and look at the very basic economics of their business um, before they go about raising the tens, hundreds of millions of dollars to make that space right. communications company or that back. small launch vehicle company. Yeah. Think about the basic economics of the business that they're building mm -hmm. um, before getting too wrapped up and excited about the space aspect of what they're doing. Right, right. Which is exciting, but yeah, you do have to kind of come back to earth and think about <laughs> Very well said. Work. Thank you. Um, so, Shaheen, this has been great, very enlightening. Is there anything else that you think would be important for some of our viewers to um, think about or better understand as they yeah. try to define how they're gonna how they're gonna sell into the world of digital? Well, one 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 question that you asked earlier that we didn't cover is the is, you know, is the notion of fake news. Yes. So, yes. I think fake news is a unfortunate uh, byproduct of information not being readily available. Uh, to the right. masses. So right. if you look at every new technology, there's always, always, there's always been a negative byproduct that's resulted and society as a whole has become more educated and better equipped to deal with that. So if you look at the Industrial Revolution, our big cities were covered in smog, LA, New yeah. York, right, right, uh, right. the Bay Area, we had basically our, our, our big cities uh, polluted as a mm. result of cars and factories and all the positives of the employment and the creature comforts and the technologies came uh, with pollution. And over time, regulation, education cleaned up our air so right. we're able to have our lunch needed too. Uh, speaking of eating, think about food. So mm -hmm. over 100 years ago, a little bit over 100 years ago, starvation and famine was a big problem, even in developed countries. Right. Um, but then yeah. food became widely available uh, through technology, through processed foods, and so now food is accessible, but now you have this epidemic around metabolic diseases, diabetes, people not mm -hmm. eating right, mm -hmm. and people are now starting to get educated as to what is nutritious, what is not nutritious, and hopefully in the next 20, 30 years, we'll have these metabolic disorders and diseases addressed, again, as a result of education. Mm -hmm. And if you look back 10, 15 years ago, the information that our parents had access to was the information that was broadcasted on television or what was read in newspapers. Right. And now you have all these sources and means of distributing and consuming uh, content. Yeah. And a unfortunate byproduct of that is fake news. Yeah. And so if we better train our AI to weed out the fake news or if we as consumers of news um, are more educated and time, then hopefully the negative effects of fake news yeah. uh, will go away and those who um, distribute that kind of content will be less incented to do so. Right, right. Well, I, I share that hope and belief. Um, and uh, again, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to you, um, add some of your insights on DTV. I want DTV!